October 19th, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin, and let's uh, continue again, four lines before the lines get to their middle with wideness, so it's just four lines up, uh, you know, I don't know, so 12 or so lines from the bottom, in the middle of the, the line, the Gemara says, my hasidute, if you recall, we, we learned some of this already, but we were in the middle of it, the Gemara is dealing with Rabbi Akiva's opinion on another matter, uh, but the expression was about Rabbi Akiva from Rabbi Yohanan was that he was shavik lehasidute. He left aside his pious, loving kindness nature. And so the Gemara says, where do you find that within our context? Rabbi Akiva was a wonderful person, of course. But within our context of ulam haban, conversation, discussion of who's included and who's excluded, where do we find a statement of Rabbi Akiva? We found two earlier where he's excluding while others are including. Where do we find him including while others are excluding? Well, here it is. Detanya, as the Beraita says, Kitne b'nei Yisrael. In ba'in la'ulam haba, the statement initially, the statement uh, not of, of Rabbi Akiva, is that the kitne rish'ei Yisrael, the children, katan, child of rish'ei Yisrael, of those who are wicked from Yisrael, in other words, the parent is not deserving of ulam haba, and then the child dies when he or she is a katan, the child as well doesn't merit ulam haba. Very difficult statement, even without a source, but certainly with a source as well, to wrap your head around, how do you understand that a child loses their portion in ulam haba because the parent was wrongful, and in turn the parent died, and so to speak, as a punishment for the parent, the child is dying as well. Maharal in his Hidusheh Gadot Tadeske Mara suggests that the child oftentimes is going to follow in the parent's ways. It's still a difficult statement because the Gemara Masechet Rosh Shana, which asked a contradiction on, on the one hand, Poked Avon Avot Al Banim, there's uh, determining the uh, punishment to the children from the father, the Gemara says, but God doesn't do that. He's, uh, he doesn't determine, another pasuk, the punishment of a child for father or father for child. Answered the Gemara over there, it's when they're ohazim avotehem biyadehem, when they're holding on to the way of their fathers. But over here we're dealing with children. The children. That's, that's the question. The question is we're dealing with children. Now in terms of minor and, and punishment, we're not in betin killing them, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, is severing them from Olam Haba. That's what makes it particularly difficult. Uh, Judah and I were texting on this uh, just a few days ago, and I, I mentioned in that context, at the very least, he, he brought forth one or two sources. If we consider them as having done something, maybe it's not just that we assume they'll do wrong, maybe it's they already began doing wrong. Now we have the question of Charlie, they're a minor, they're a child, a katan is not a baronashim, a katan is la bardat as well, that's why they don't get punished. As a result, we don't imagine, generally speaking, their sin as, as a sinful act to the extent that they'll be punished for it. There are notable exceptions that seem to portray and reveal the nature of a child's actions in the world of halacha. For example, at the next Mishnah, one of the final Mishnayot here in, the, in, our, in our Masechet, will deal with uh, the Ir Hanidaha, the halacha with regards to Ir Hanidaha, that's the city where they're worshipping Abu Dazara, is that everyone is killed, not only the adult men, but the women and the children as well. Now, there are two approaches in the Rishonim and Aharonim with regards to children. The children, even if they haven't done anything, or specifically, the Midrash seems to say explicitly, when the children did a sin, but even if they did a sin, 
Why are they being put to death? It appears as if the sin of a child is qualified. It has an action which is, so to speak, registered. It's not that they're per se going to be punished in their court in this world, but it is considered a sin, again, if there was the proper intention. But they don't have intentions. They don't have full intention. So it means in particular, in specific circumstances, they'll be added into the mix of punished. What is the That's a good question. I mean, the, the Gemara, in its continued words at the bottom of the page, although there seems to be talking about Tehiyata Meitim over there, I'll talk about that in a few moments, seems to suggest that you don't need to be the child of a Sadiq per se. If you're a child of a non Rasha from Yisrael, you're meriting both Olam Haba and the Gemara will suggest under most circumstances Tehiyata Meitim. We're not going to sever the child per se, and to the extent that the Gemara's assumption, again, Olam Haba, if it's Olam HaNeshamot, there's no reason to cut them off. If it's Tehiyata Meitim, there's going to be the resurrection. That's how far the Gemara will go with regards to including even on that. Anyway, the Gemara says over here again, so the, the statement is It's <laughs> Cites this pasuk. And those last several words, the shoresh ve'anaf, on this day to come, the day in which punishment is being divvied out, as mentions that the wicked ones won't have remaining shoresh. Ve'anaf. And what's Shoresh Ve'anaf? Shoresh Ba'ulam Azeh Ve'anaf La'ulam Haba. First and foremost, as Rashi points out, it seems to be referring to the children. Shoresh is the roots, Anaf is the branches. But more than that, speak, speak about the, notice the specifics. The Shoresh, the grounding, the rooting in this world, the Anaf, the uh, sprouting outward branches, La'ulam Haba, means the children lose it as well with regards to the conversation of Olam Haba. disagrees. He says that the children of Rish'ai Yisrael, they married Olam Haba. Pasuk says in Tehilim that God protects Pitaim. Now, the general interpretation of the word Peti is silly ones, but the description over here of Rabbi Akiva, Sheken Korim Bekirche Hayam, says in the islands of the uh, ocean, out there in those lands, they call Liyanuka Pitya. They refer to a child as a Pitya. Now, the word over here, and the Kirche Hayam, is not per se another language than, than Hebrew, but it might be. And so the Gemara is describing how this is not per se their language, even in Aramaic, certainly not in Hebrew. And so how are we deriving uh, description, the Pasuk, according to Rabbi Akiva, about Shomer Petayim Amonai, uh, from the language of the people out in Kirche Hayam, comes back to conversation we had just a few days ago, Shalaha Kadosh, in his commentary to the, on, in, in conjunction, in dealing with the Gemara Masech Tzukan Daf suggests that if you read uh, the, the, the Hachamim's literature in the Midrashim, and Rashi in his commentary to the Torah, the first and primary language from which all other languages sprouted forth from in the eyes of the Hachamim is Hebrew, is Lashon HaKodesh. And as a result, although there was a Bilbul, although there was a Bilul, although Migdal Bavel generation caused a dispersion of people and languages, it all emanates from one initial language, which means to say, if I have in the eyes of Shalah HaKadosh, if I have Greek, or I have Latin, or I have any other language of Kirche Hayam, Ultimately speaking, although you and I can't then point to the Hebrew language in Torah or even in the spoken language today and say, oh, that word is similar to or we use it because of, 
we have to imagine it suggests Allah HaKadosh as coming forth initially from the primary integral and, and only language. And so as a result, anytime the Gemara will do this type of thing, we were talking about in that context, how the Gemara in Sukkan Daflamateh, Ben Azai describes Piri, it's Hadar, the word Hadar, Milashon Idur, that in Greek, Idur means water. Who cares about what it is in Greek? Uh, so the suggestion was over there as well. Well, it has some connection, because all languages do, at least according to this mind, uh, this, this way of thought, to Hebrew. Anyway, so that's the statement of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says if they refer to children as pitya, shomer pitayim amunai, is a reference to children, and children as well merit a shemira from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He'll protect them and give them olam haba ve'omer, but Rabbi Akiva, and this is where we left off, cites another pasuk. This next pasuk is in a funny place. It's a peculiar. It's cited from Sefer Daniel. It's the dream of Nebuchadnezzar uh, when he's uh, realizing his demise. He's realizing the end of good times for himself. Ve'amar godu ilana ve'habluhi beram ikar shorshohi be'ara shevuku. It says the, uh, the tree will be uh, severed, will be cut down. However, the shorashim, the, um, the roots, will be and should be left in the ground. Uh, so the roots, of course, are going to be the reference to what's left in this world after the tree, after you yourself, well, not you, the Rasha, the Nebuchadnezzar, is lost. Uh, who cares about Nebuchadnezzar's uh, dream? It's similar to the last question. Who cares about the language in Kirche Hayam? Who cares about Nebuchadnezzar? He wasn't Jewish. He wasn't from Am Yisrael. What does that dream have to do with us? Maharsha and his Hidushah Gadot on the back of our Gemara uh, cites the Gemara Masech Berachot and Dafnun He. The Gemara over there describes how dreams always have devarim betelim. They always have matters which are not pertinent. And this is in the eyes of the hachamim when they're reading dreams and explaining them. There are always going to be details that are not per se pertinent to the person who's dreaming them. And as a result, suggests Maharsha, it's not that they're necessarily false, it's that it's not relevant to the person who's dreaming. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about himself, and then there's a detail in it about Rish'ai Yisrael, about a person who's wicked, not from Umot Olam, but from Yisrael. Their children married Olam Habba, even though they don't. That's a suggestion. Yad Rama, one of the Rishonim, to Gemara and Sanhedrin, he says, just look at the biography, look at what we know about Nebuchadnezzar. He has a descendant, his name is Belshazzar. He lives, he rules, uh, you see, even though the father seems to be severed and knocked out, the child doesn't necessarily have a bad run and uh, might in turn not lose his portion. Anyway, it says the Gemara, so according to you, Rabbi Akiva, how do you explain that pasuk, that initial pasuk was Shaban Gamliel cited as saying, you see, there's no shoresh, there's no anaf, with regards to the children, that neither mitzvah nor shiur, lishayir means to leave over, means the remnants, means the side stuff of a mitzvah, neither one of them will be left. What does it mean neither one of them will be left? Rashi's suggestion on the left-hand side, basically almost in the middle of the page, on the left-hand side, Rashi says, lo mitzvah hamurav, lo mitzvah kala. First and foremost, the mitzvah and the shiur mitzvah, the remnant of the mitzvah, both referring to actual mitzvot. There are just two types of mitzvot, the ones that are more difficult to perform, the ones that are easy. Hakol yehem ma'avir u'meshalem secharam le'altar. The description of Rashi is God will remove the merit of them 
from potential in the afterlife. In other words, you'll be, you'll be rewarded, you'll be given it in this world, so that you lose portion in the world to come. In other words, you can't imagine someone's going to be 100 percent uh, fully and completely wicked, so they have merit. If they have merit, so what does the pasuk mean that they won't have shoresh ve'anaf? It means God won't allow for any of that merit for afterwards. They'll be paid back in this world. That's the suggestion of Yad Rama. Alternative, excuse me, of Rashi. Alternatively, Yad Rama reads this Gemara and he says it goes like this: Those Rishae Israel, to the extent that they are Rishaim, their sins, their iniquities, their wrongdoings will so much outweigh their mitzvah, v'shiure mitzvah, to the extent that uh, there won't be anything to talk about. Uh, you have 90% of your actions are terrible things to the extent that I can't, I can't consider these in the equation question. No, uh, that's the statement here in the Gemara. The word shiur really doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's Rashi's interpretation, mean a mitzvah kala. There's other matters which are appended to mitzvot. The Mishnah in Masechet Makot describes a nitpal le'ose mitzvah. The Mishnah over there is talking about a person who's just tagging along as others are doing mitzvot. The Gemara says there's merit in doing so. I mean, we're well familiar. The Mishnah in Masechet Sukkah describes just listening to the conversations of important people. Ve'alehu lo yibol, afilu dvarim betelim. Sometimes that's not a mitzvah per se, but it can influence you, it can change you to be a better person. That's what we might refer to when we talk about shiure mitzvah, putting yourself in the right situations, um, being uh, connected to the right people and right circumstances, that already is a shiur misvah, perhaps. Alternatively, shoresh and neshama is a reference to neshama and goof. Says the Gemara, Aval kitne benerish e of de kochavim, divreha kol enba in the olam habara. What we've been talking about until now is Mahdok Bituno ben Rbangamlian and Biakiva about the Rish'e Yisrael's young children. What about Rish'e Umot What if they're not from Am Yisrael? Everyone agrees that Rish'e Umot states the Beraita ostensibly, don't merit Olam Haba. How do you know? Rabban Gamliel Nafkale, either Rabban Gamliel himself brings forth this proof, even though Rabbi Akiva agrees to it as well. Gaon uh, Mivilna takes out those words for Rabban Gamliel Nafkale. If everyone agrees, you don't need Rabban Gamliel. Everybody agrees, perhaps, to the sourcing. Uh, Rashi reminds us of the Gemara that Charlie, I remember, some time ago was annoyed about before we learned it. The Gemara and Daf Kofhe, the Gemara over there talked about Hasideh Umot Haolam. What about the righteous ones from the, world, from the nations of the world? Do they merit? It was a mahlokin over there, but the statement over here is even if you accept that Hasideh Umot Haolam and Daf Kofhe, where we discussed it, do merit all Nonetheless, the Rish'e Umot certainly don't, and their children as well. And where are you going to learn that from? Where's that derived from? Nafkale, we derive that from the following Pasuk. Pasuk says, Metim bal yichyu, refaim bal yakumu, lachen pakadav atashmidem, vate'abed kol zechelamo. Uh, you make lost all memory, all artifacts, all everything from them, which means not only they, but the children who die as well. Says the Gemara onward, Itmar katan me'ematai ba la'olam haba. Says the Gemara, when is it that a child can and does merit olam haba? Ram, Rabbeinu Nisim Girondin, his commentary to our Gemara over here, says that uh, we don't, we should accept that the Gemara is not actually referring to olam haba, but rather to 
We've talked about these two junctures throughout the Perik. Olam Haba is what we describe as Olam HaNeshamot. That's afterlife, not, not quote-unquote ultimate, but life and existence as it continues without body. That's Olam Haba. Says Ran, it can't be a discussion about you're a Katan. You're not born to a Rasha. You haven't continued in the ways of Rishurut. There's no question. Of course you're getting Olam Haba. Olam HaNesh. The question is, do you have resurrection in the future? Are you involved in Tahiyat HaMetim? That's the conversation here in the Gemara. So in turn, that's how he quotes it from Talmud Yerushalmi to support it. At what juncture does the child merit that? In other words, how old do they need to be in order for us to definitively or somewhat definitively, we're not gone, we don't really know his ways, we're trying to figure it out as much as we can. Uh, when do they merit Tahiyata Metim? Rabbi Hiya Rabbi Shimon Bar Rabbi. There's two opinions here. The first, Hadamar Misha'ashinolad. First opinion says just from being birthed. And birth uh, already meriting Tahiyata Metim. Hadamar Misha'ashesipir. The second opinion says no, it's only when they begin talking. Now, birth, I can understand. It means the very life and existence in this world. It means you're meriting tehiyata metim. That's, that's it. That's sufficient. What does it mean, mishaashe sipir? The Gemara Masechet Sukandaf Membet already has in the stages and ages of Hinuch when you begin educating a child. So, for example, when it comes to Lulav and Etrog, the Gemara says, When the child knows how to, how to move forward, back and forth, the Lulav and Etrog, you already begin because that means they know how to do this mitzvah. What age is that? I don't know, five, six years old. Before that, they're just waving it aimlessly. The Gemara says, When do you educate a child in Tifilin? This one we don't do. The Gemara says, means when they know how to keep their body clean. They know how to wash themselves. They know when they need to use the bathroom. Uh, we don't do it that young. We wait until they're, I don't know, close to 13 today. But anyway, the Gemara over there says, when do you first start teaching the child Torah? And the Gemara says, Dibur, just speech, which is an amazing thing. They don't have comprehension. People, they begin babbling. They're just saying words. You already, says the Gemara, Wapasuki, the Shema Yisrael, Moshe, which seems to describe speech as already being. And I understand this always as a certain subconscious existence. The child might be speaking and not knowing what they're saying, but if their first words are Shema Yisrael, Torah and they're continuously saying it, I'm assuming as well, that becomes part and parcel of who they are. Of course, there's the famous story of a blaze of silver when he goes to rescue the children after the Holocaust and he walks into the monasteries, he walks into the churches and into situations where there are children who were taken and baptized at the beginning of the war and he just screams out Shema Yisrael. I heard it from his great-grandchild to verify the truth of the story, if that counts. Um, anyway, and he screams out Shema Yisrael and they respond to it because it was who they were. They didn't know what they were saying. They were three years old when they were taken into these uh, churches and, uh, and baptized. Well, so the description then is and over here in our Gemara, they're already building a consciousness, even though it begins with a certain subconscious building. Go ahead. The answer is when the Rishonim do it, I'll give it to you. We struggled with it throughout because the Gemara conflates it throughout. Right. No, no. Why? 
Jeffrey several times has asked, maybe it's referring to Tahiyat HaMetim. And every time I've told him, the truth is, throughout, when we talk about Ulam Haba, in the first Mishnah, it's Mahlokit how to understand it. And the counterclaim, which is the majority claim, is we're actually talking about Ulam Haba, otherwise we would have said Tahiyat HaMetim. He said, now I just accepted nonchalantly the Gemara Ran. I said, you can't learn it another way. Why am I not defending, or why are we collectively not defending Ulam Haba? Yeah. What is the purpose then of Tehiyat HaMetim clearly, at least in my mind, not so much in the Rambam terminology, but in the majority methodology and theology of Jewish philosophers and thinkers, is the stage during which the world and humanity come to complete states. Because with our bodies as human beings, we come to complete states. It's coming. It's coming. But the question is, I mean, that, that, I'll, I'll answer your question. The question is, if the child is not yet eight days old, if the child is not yet eight days old, uh, so maybe they're not incomplete. They're only incomplete once they're eight days old and they don't have the milah. But it is coming, an opinion that says, and it, it seems to be the strongest opinion, uh, as I'll suggest in a moment, um, that it's from the time of Birid milah. Keep in mind as well, I mean, I'm just... I'm making this up, I'm sorry to use those words, but imagine the child uh, passes before three days old and doesn't have a milah and we're going and the reality is like one of these other opinions and they're res- resurrected and they're three days old, I mean we're not doing a milah then. It doesn't mean the world is already fully completed, it's where the potential and the opportunities put forth, but we'll see that. Says the, go ahead. But, but then why is there no passage for a child that's just one? What, what would be the reason they're not in a or you're saying below these ages, or I mean, effectively, uh, effectively, the Gemara is saying they have passage, right? Uh, if you say that it's from Milah, if you say that it's from Mishiodel Saper, I think it seems clear to me you're describing the age of. Don't take this too literally. I don't want you killing little babies, but from the age of a child. Mishiodel Saper before the Yodel Saper. Uh, they're, uh, they're not a full-fledged child yet. Uh, they can't take their life. In that regard, they're not tapped into the existential flow of humanity. They're only in when they're Yodel Isafir, but they don't even understand yet. And what are they? Uh, not yet. The first opinion is very much along those lines. It's in this world. They're already. The interesting thing about that first opinion is it's saying specifically, even though it sounds like the most inclusive, only when they're born. What about if it was in a, you know, what if it was a, a, a it, it was a yeah, miscarriage? Yeah, but what if it was a miscarriage? We'll see an opinion in the Gemara, Mishiyizareya. One of the opinions in the Gemara, that's already life and existence. Again, none of this should be transferred into the halakha realm of, of, of miscarriage and abortion and all that sort of business. But in terms of envisioning what is life, you know, it's reminiscent for me, maybe I'm uh, just too loosely associating to the Gemara that we had earlier in the Perik on Dafsadi Aleph. If you call the Gemara on Dafsadi Aleph, had a machlok between Antoninus Arasha and Ribi. When is the Yeser Hara born to an individual? Is it when they're still in the womb, the opinion of Rabbi? Antonino said only when they come out. Antonino said if it's already in the womb, they'll kick their way out, and so it has to be, and Rabbi agrees with him. La peta hatat He brings him a source, a proof for it. Uh, 
what's that? Isav is the question on the Isav is the question. He was kicking and not coming out. Mahasha asked that question. There's plenty to be discussed in that. But um, so already, I mean, that type of conversation as well is describing humanity. A human being has a yes in hara. I mean, uh, so the, the Pasuk says at the end of Bereshit, rak 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 we're describing who and what a human being is. And that's their conversation already in some sort of loose association. Anyway, says the Gemara, Mande Amar, says the Gemara, let's, let's bring the two opinions, uh, sources, Mande Amar, Misha'ash Olad, the, the opinion that, that, that maintained it's from when they're born, Shine Emar, as the Pasuk says, Yavo'u v'yagidu sidko le'am nolad ki asa, the Pasuk says, to the nation who is born and Yavov Yagidu Sitko is a vision of when they'll be able to cry out the Sedek of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Techiyat HaMetim, Ahu, Am Nolad, the born nation. What if, what if you maintain it from specifically when they're able to talk, Dikhtiv, as the Pasuk says, Zera Ya'avdenu Yesupar Ladonai Lador, the Pasuk talks about the Zera being Yesupar, they have to be misaper, they have to be able to talk. Itmar, Ravina, Amar Misha'ashe Nizra. Ravina says it's from the time that the baby, the child is inseminated, or when the father inseminates the mother, even if there's not a birth, even if the child never makes it out, even if it doesn't fully uh, form and fashion itself. Dikhtiv, Zera, Ya'avdenu. The Pasuk talks about Zera, just seed. It doesn't mean it's actually what we would call a human being. Rav Nachman Nimol. There's the opinion Jeffrey perhaps was looking for, the opinion that uh, it's from when they get a milad. Ani, Ani, Nasati, Afuna. Very hard pasuk to break down, in, uh, which Rashi does. It's a, a pasuk here in, in Tehilim, in Mizmor Pehet. Rashi suggests it goes like this. Even though they're an Ani, even though they're quote-unquote poor, Vegovea, uh, the word govea brings us to the Pesukim by Yaakov, by the Sadikim, the Gemaram Bava Batran Daftefav Tetzain suggests that only by the righteous do you say Vayigva Vayeasef Alamav. You see, the Torah has different ways of describing death. But to be govea in the eyes of the rabbis, because they determine from Pesukim and Torah, is only the righteous ones. So we're talking about, quote, a poor one, meaning they haven't performed mitzvot, they're nonetheless govea, minor from the uh, age of being a child, Nasati Emecha, I already am carrying a certain fear and awe of you, God. Afuna means it's uh, like Ofanim, uh, it's Megalgel, it's circling above. So the Pasuk then is describing from the age during which there's injected into the child in some way or fashion that ability, that innate drive to have fear and awe of God, that's the age of Berit Milah. There is a conversation amongst the Rishonim and Shohan Aruch is posek lahalacha on this matter, whether a child passes away before the age of eight days, before his eighth day alive, whether you give a Milah to that child or not. Why would you give a Milah? It's a strange thing. We have sourcing in the Geonim, sites uh, tour in, uh, in Yoredea, uh, but we have sourcing the other way as well. Uh, some point to this Gemara. If the description of this Gemara is that the Berit Milah is somehow that stamp, somehow that entrance into a humanity in the real sense, to Tehiyat Ametim, so then there should be a Milah. And that's again, that's how it's Nifsak Lahalacha from this Gemara, perhaps, um, that uh, even below the age. Yeah. 
That was what I was saying to Jeff. That's what I was. That's what I was saying to Jeffrey earlier. But that would only be if you maintain like the other opinions that you have in resurrection, even without the milah. Do you understand? In other words, if it, if it needs to be the milah for some reason, which you can wrap your head around to a certain extent, as we're looking at the body and saying this is a body that qualifies, then you need to do the milah before him. But you're right. The counter argument is who said we're following this opinion. According to this opinion, the answer, no, that's not, no, no, not, not necessarily. This, this is not saying, first and foremost, we do have references specifically by Milah to the word karet, which might be connected to Ulam Haba, certainly according to Arambam. But no, not necessarily, because this is a statement more than anything of who's certainly in. He's eight days old and he has a Milah, whatever, he has a Milah. That's how he's certainly in. It doesn't mean the flip side is not, if he doesn't have a Milah, he's not in. It means this is how we know he's a part of that existential group of people. All right, Tana Mishum. I, I wish I could explain all this more, but I'm, I'm trying my best. Tana says the Gemara, we have a beraita, mishum rabi meir, misha'ashi yomar, amen. It's from the age that the child can say amen, or does say amen. Shene emar, pithu she'arim be'avu goy sedek, shomer emunim, atikre shomer emunim, ela she'omer amen. Pasuk seems to be talking about an opening of gates and inviting in the goy sadik, the uh, righteous uh, nations, righteous individuals. Now it's a shomer emunim, instead of being those who safeguard emun, emun is a certain uh, a strength, a certain, that's why we have that word emunah, for a strength, for a dependency, Read it as Shomer Sheomer Amen. Sheomer Amen? The statement of Amen. Give it a second. Says the Gemara, my Amen. What's with the word Amen? Saying Amen to a Beracha, that designates an individual as righteous, that designates the individual as part of this pact and bond. Says the Gemara, Amar Bihanina. It's perhaps a reference to the fact that one of the interpretations of the word Amen, to Gemara Masechet Berachot as well, and Masechet Shabbat, Kel Melech Ne'eman. Kel Melech Ne'eman, God. Uh, the king is Ne'eman, is dependable. We can depend upon him. I have that trust because he is Ne'eman. Uh, we've discussed that word on many occasions. But in our context, what's the significance of Amen to this individual? I would suggest the following. If you say Amen, it means there's someone next to you to say Amen to. Which means to say, if we're describing the little child as meriting Tehiyat Ametim because and I put quotation marks, he said amen because he was able to verify and stand by the truthfulness of the statement. It means there was a truthful statement in their context. The description then of this last opinion is that Tahiyat Ametim is the person who was nurtured within an environment, even if at a young age, of appropriate conversation, of true belief, of, of proper conduct. That's what we're describing more than anything. Take away the, the coarse reality of just saying amen. It's not just saying amen. It means there's something to say amen to. It means, what's that? But, but I'm saying it's, it's further than that. It's, it's not, not only that I had company, I had good company. My parents raised me. That's the individual as a child. You look at that child and say, I was so young, but look how they were brought up. You can look at that child already and determine. Okay, says the Gemara onward. It cites a pasuk from Sefer Yeshaya. Lachen hirchiva she'om nafsha ufa'ara fiha libli hok. 
Uh, so the Pasuk is describing, uh, Yeshaya is describing how the depths, uh, many people would call that Gehenam today, opens its mouth widely without hok, libli hok. Libli hok, generally speaking, the Peshat in the Pasuk means without any rules, which means all the way, the ground, and it's a midah, keneged midah, it's the way the Mephashim and that Pasuk read it in its most simple sense. You, Am Yisrael, have been opening your mouths, indulging in this world, just taking whatever you want, imbibing and gorging and so forth, the ground is going to just open its mouth widely and swallow you up. But the Gemara will be Doresh, those last words, Libli Hok, in two contradictory ways. Amaresh Lakish, Lemish Meshayer Afilo Hok Ehad. Resh Lakish is harsh and uh, I don't know if you want to say realistic, but scary statement is. Even an individual who's mishayer hok echad, a person who is just missing one deed, one proper uh, action in this world, uh, they've had the world, uh, the, the world from below open up for them. It's in some respect seeing Gehenam as a tikkun, that uh, she'ol, those depths, a tikkun for anything that's gone wrong. Of course, in the eyes of of the hachanim, our limbs of our body are parallel to the mitzvot aseh and mitzvot lotaseh, the ramach and shasa. The vision then is if you've been deficient, the way Rabbeinu Yonah writes in one or two places, if you've been deficient in something, you'll need to fix it. But just one thing, but you're missing the full body. That's the Reish Lakish scary statement. It says, Amar Biyohanan, says Rabbi Yohanan in response to Reish Lakish, and, and heave a sigh of relief because Biyohanan, generally speaking, beats out in matters of halakha Marayu, of course, is a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the master, our master, your master. Uh, master is not happy that you said that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu would never speak like that. That's not the way you read this pasuk. Rather, the reference of the pasuk is to even an individual who only learned one law. In other words, the pasuk says, you can read it in one of two ways. It's to the person who doesn't have all the hawk, or to the person who has even just a hawk. It's only for he who has no hawk that, so to speak, you're meriting this Sheol, this uh, Gehenam, that second statement. Just listen to the words again. Limud means you have a certain uh, ability to really appreciate and perform that mitzvah. This is reminiscent, at least in my mind, to Perush of Harambam, to the well-known Mishnah and Masechet Makot. Mishnah says, Rasa HaKadosh Baruch Hu Zakot Yisrael, if Yichar Kibbalan Torah Mitzvot. And so there's a conversation about uh, how by having more mitzvot do we get more merit? And the suggestion of some, of this mahluk between Harambam and Rashi and others, is that by having more mitzvot, it means you can at the very least find one to be lomed. You can attach yourself to one. Perhaps that's what Rabbi Yohanan is kind of hinting to us. If you made one your own, if you attach yourself to a mitzvah and that becomes yours, you perfect it with regards to your nature, uh, that's the individual who averts this uh, sheol opening and swallowing them in. Baruch Adonai, Amen, amen.